0: Welcome to DealCast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SSC Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham. This episode, we're hearing from Vietnam, and we're going to be finding out about solar power consolidation in the country, particularly related to ESG. Joining me are Radina Saksima, Emerging Markets Editor, and Andi Guyap, Merger Markets Correspondent, based in Vietnam. Hi, thanks for joining me. Hello, thanks for having us, Julie. Hello. So firstly, can you give us a bit of background on Vietnam's energy
1: system and its grid infrastructure? Sure. Um, uh, let me just uh, give you a little bit of background. So uh, Vietnam, uh, you know, up until 2014, most of its energy needs were met through coal, hydropower and natural gas. This obviously changed over the years because Vietnam has been uh, leading the charge in energy transition in the region. And uh, by adding more renewable energy to its mix. So um, this has led to some positive developments and with it has come some challenges. So positives obviously has been increase in investments and power plant developments in the country. Challenges obviously are some of the infrastructural challenges of which transmission is one big one. So um, the country's power grid has been very underdeveloped because that's only run by this One corporation called the Vietnam Electricity, which is a government-run entity, essentially. And uh, this is a a 500 kilowatt transmission line that runs from the north to the south. So while you have a lot of, uh, there's been a great uh, sort of expansion in the generation space, the transmission space seems to have seen some sort of challenges. That's really what the current scenario is on the energy system in Vietnam.
0: And can you go into a bit more detail in in those changes? There's been a big increase in installed solar capacity in the country, hasn't there?
1: Yes, yes. So, um, you know, Vietnam has been growing at about 6% year on year for the last seven years. And this fast pace of industrialization meant that, you know, the energy energy consumption has gone up drastically. So we've seen energy consumption rise, increasing to 11%, which is actually way more than the GDP growth. Uh, What's happened is that, that's obviously fueled uh, insatiable demand for electricity generation and investment. So we've seen actually a lot of investments sprawling up in uh, the solar power space uh, because of the attractive government incentive scheme, especially the feed-in-tariff programs. So um, as of end of 2020, uh, I think there was there's about 16.5 uh, gigawatt capacity of solar power, which is way more, the, more, more than what was anticipated. So, and all of these investments have been fueled because of the attractive programs government came up with over the course of years. So, that's, um, that's been the one big change we've seen. Um, and what has also happened is that that change has kind sort of been unprecedented at, in terms of its, you know, meeting its goals. At the same time, it has also given rise to new challenges, which I think Aunt can run us more on that, on that front. That
0: So, Anne, coming to you, what are those challenges? And I'll be interested in finding out from you what you're seeing in Vietnam in terms of those changes. Is the country looking different? Is it operating differently as a result of this huge change in the energy sector?
2: Sure. So, um, you know, as Rida mentioned, the grid uh, is already strained, even before the increase in power plants, uh, because, you know, the, the economy is growing too quickly and has far outpaced the the grid infrastructure upgrade so um, up on the boom in solar power so as the grid cannot accommodate all the power generations um, the government has has needed to put a cap on the capacity of solar and wind power generators to prevent the grid, um, which is a closed-loop grid, um, from choking so as a result, this has curtailed uh, the transmissions of solar power Uh, especially for those in the southern and central regions of Vietnam because these are the areas which have high solar energy radiations and where most of the plants are located So again, transmission lines have not been built fast enough to be able to dispatch uh, excess capacity to other areas so um, these are the uh, differences I'm seeing, and you know uh, the reasons why the because of the boom in solar power is because Vietnam is uh, transitioning into more into green energy to pursue their Paris Agreement commitments uh, back in 2015. Those so those are the backgrounds.
0: So we'll come on to the the grid issue that Redeemer mentioned earlier, but. Are people looking to go off-grid? Are there any companies or industries that are, that are working off-grid because the existing grid just can't cope with with that capacity?
2: Right. So to be able to grow off-grid, um, Vietnam is um, is um, implementing a new uh, a new government's decisions to um, to let powers. Uh, uh, generators to sell electricity directly to private buyers so that would be like that would be uh that would be known as a direct power purchase agreement but it is under um it is under developing under development right now so uh, we we need to wait for a um another like maybe a few months before there's a new uh, change on that to say
0: So how is the government and the National Energy Company, how are they working to improve the existing grid infrastructure?
2: So they have been thinking about some of the solutions such as, you know, building up like a storage system for the existing solar power projects that have been impacted by the um, curtailment problems. Uh, But, you know, um, uh, for now, the grid is to remain as a monopolistic grid and will not be open Uh, to foreign investment anytime soon.
0: And looking at deal activity, how has all this affected deal activity in the energy sector in Vietnam?
2: So investors, they have been selling down their stakes or exceeding uh, solar projects uh, in order to de-risk themselves or, you know, they have uh, their own strategies of build and sell business model. And on the other hand, others have been, you know, taking advantage of the grid problem to build up their solar power portfolios. So uh, for them, consolidating those, you know, small uh, solar power projects, you know, as small as one megawatt would lead to economies of scale and mitigate the risk of the government's capping of capacity and, you know, uh, reduce the administrative costs for investors.
1: And Radhimi, did you have anything to add to that? So um, just about the deal activities, I mean, some of the main players that are consolidating their positions are coming from Thailand, China and uh, Singapore. So, um, uh, so, I mean, if I was to sort of highlight a few transactions in the past few years, so you have uh, companies like, uh, you know, you know, Thailand Super Energy, which has actually, uh, you know, acquired a combined capacity of 750 megawatt, uh, I think, in 2020, last year. And similarly, you have Gulf Energy from Thailand again, which uh, increased its stake in a local power, solar power developer called the TTC Green Energy. Similarly, uh, you have players like Begrim Power, again, coming from Thailand, Japan's Sharp Corporation, um, there is also, you know, Philippines uh, has a big conglomerate called Ayala and through the energy unit, they have a joint venture here in Vietnam with a local conglomerate that's been actively consolidating its position. Uh, we also see some of these renewable energy platforms that have been built with uh, over the past few years with the focus on ASEAN as a market and which are also looking at these opportunities and Vietnam is obviously in the lead for them, so those are some of the transactions and players we can talk about. Yeah,
0: and you mentioned there are a lot of foreign players involved in this space. What's the appeal for a foreign energy company getting involved in Vietnam? What's the unique opportunity there?
2: So uh, obviously uh, they were drawn. They were first drawn by the favorable feed tariff scheme. So um, Vietnam has uh, has experienced two. Uh, f- two phases for the feet um, tariffs. The first phase, you know, uh, developers could receive could enjoy like a uh, nine point three five cents USD uh, uh, for all of the solar powers. So which is very high. And the second phase, even though it has been re- reduced, it, it is still um, at seven point sixty nine cents USD for uh, for you know for the floating solars and 7.09 cents for the ground-mounted solar power projects. So they are still high and attractive, and they were first drawn by that, yeah.
0: And would you say that Vietnam's leading the charge in, in the region in terms of renewable energy and, and solar power?
2: I would say that, yeah.
1: Yes, I think there's some of their, I mean, the, I think government programs and schemes have been very proactive in that compared to the rest of the region. Uh, The other, I think, larger macro factors which are working for Vietnam is obviously, you know, it has been uh, uh, actively drawing investments across board from North Asian investors. So from Korea, Japan and China, who have been setting up their manufacturing base in Vietnam, which in turn is spiraling into other areas, whether it's energy demands and so on and so forth. So I think some of those macro factors are kind of, you know, benefiting the country at this point.
0: Great. And let's have a little look to the future. Let's fast forward, say, five years or 10 years. We've got all countries around the world working towards net zero carbon emissions. How do you expect the energy sector there to evolve in the coming years?
2: So if I'm correct, correct, Vietnam has strived to, you know, increase the the, um, the energy from uh, renewable sources to around 40 to 50% of the countries within the country total energy mix by 2030 and 20 until 2045 they have even bigger uh, targets you know just you know just to go green um, I would have to check back on the uh, actual numbers but the you know from, from what we've seen from the the uh, you know, by the end of 2020, uh, Vietnam has had, you know, around 16,500 megawatts from solar power alone And the compared to the uh, government's initial targets of only 850 megawatts by end 2020 So this is like 20 times the government has been asking for and, you know, it has been, you know, very um, big numbers
1: also, the the weather conditions in the, uh, in the country, I think, are very conducive to solar power, uh, you know, uh, generation. And I think uh, with, uh, you know, distribution angles being sorted, which, as Anne mentioned, there there have been some sort of uh, draft consultations around that. But um, the future course, I mean, is only for <laughs> to be told as and as when the government comes up with new policies on that front.
0: And just bring it back to the deal activity. What kind of opportunities are out there in the coming years?
2: So, uh, I think in like in like one to two years from now, I would um, I would um, expect to see that more consolidations by developers uh, trying to build up their uh, power portfolio, solar power portfolios, uh, just by buying existing solar power projects. Um, and Also, um, after, you know, because of the huge, the boom in solar powers, Vietnam is now transitioning into an auctions um, program uh, to replace the current system of awarding feed-in tariffs for solar power projects because I think they have recognized that it has been too attractive for the investors. And now they don't need uh, a lot more solar powers. Um, So previously, so, so uh, because of the change in the regularities, uh, of the change in the uh, auction programs So, uh, I would say that uh, more consolidations would be uh, in the 30 megawatt capacities for projects uh, to create a bigger one, because the 30 megawatts is the minimum threshold for the solar and wind power plants to participate under the new uh, direct power purchase agreement which I've said, mentioned earlier So, yeah, so they would allow energy developers to sell electricity directly to private power buyers and not uh, to the EVNs. Yeah,
1: the thing is also, uh, Julie, is is the increasing ESG considerations from investors, and uh, I think uh, that is a theme that has picked up in the last couple of years in this region, and I think it's only going to become bigger. Uh, So so those, uh, I think, Factors are going to obviously boost the investments in that space and also regulatory sort of uh, movements around that. Great, thank you both for your time. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
0: That was Ridhima Saxena, emerging markets editor, and Anne Dai Guyap, merger markets correspondent based in Vietnam. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market News Alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.